Hi, and welcome to Crash Course Catholicism, a podcast about Catholic teaching and why it makes sense. I'm your host, Caitlin West. Hello and welcome to this second episode on prayer. Before we get started, I wanted to say a quick thank you to all the people who have signed up to Patreon. At the moment, we have just enough patrons to start paying someone to edit the transcripts of this podcast into what will eventually, hopefully, be an ebook that people can use to give doctrine classes or as a resource for RCIA or whatever, which is so exciting and super wonderful. And the more people we have contributing, the more and the quicker we can do things like this. So again, a huge, huge thank you. Okay. Now let's get cracking. So in our last episode, we started talking about prayer and we defined prayer as the raising of our hearts and minds to God. Now, that is quite a broad definition of prayer. So today we're going to hone in and look at some more specific forms of prayer, different ways that we approach God and interact with him. So we're going to talk about blessing, adoration, petition, intercession, thanksgiving, and praise. Let's begin with the concept of blessing. Now, this word blessing actually broadly refers to the whole dynamic of prayer. It describes what actually happens when we pray. So point 2626 of the catechism says, blessing expresses the basic movement of Christian prayer. In blessing, God's gift and man's acceptance of it are united in dialogue with each other. So in other words, when we pray, God blesses us, okay? He gives us his grace, his love, his whole self, and in return, we accept his blessings and we offer back to him our thanks, our praise, our love, our whole selves, okay? It's an encounter between God and man in the words of the catechism. So when we say to God, "We bless you," as we do in the Gloria at mass, That's just another way of saying we give everything to you, our love, our prayers, our whole selves. Now, point 2627 of the Catechism outlines two ways that we as human beings can play our own part in that exchange, that dynamic of blessing. The first thing that we do is that we implore the grace of the Holy Spirit that descends through Christ from the Father. So we ask for God's blessing, for his grace. And then secondly, it says our prayer ascends in the Holy Spirit through Christ to the Father. We bless him for having blessed us. So those are the two things we do. We ask for God's blessing and then we accept and bless God in return. Now, It might sound a little weird to say that we bless God. I remember hearing that phrase, we bless you as a teenager and being like, well, hang on a second. That's weird. Like, how can I bless God? I have nothing to offer God. And that is a really important point. Thank you, past Caitlin. Nothing that we offer God comes from us. Nothing we can offer God comes from us. Fulton Sheen talks about how the energy that a flower uses to grow doesn't come from itself. Okay, it comes from the sun. And it's the same with us. The Catechism says, because God blesses, the human heart can in return bless the one who is the source of every blessing. 
So in other words, when we bless God, we simply offer back to him those gifts and graces that he has originally given us, right? It reminds me of when like a little kid goes up to their mum and asks their mum for money so that they can go out and buy a gift for their mum's birthday, okay? We have nothing to offer God that is our own except what God has given us. But we should use the gifts that God has given us in order to bless him, And it's important to remember that our job isn't just to sit here passively accepting God's grace. We are also called to bless God in return through our prayers and our love and our gift of self. So what kind of prayers do we offer to God? We can offer him prayers of adoration, petition, intercession, thanksgiving, and praise. So let's go through each of those, beginning with adoration. Point 2628 says that adoration is man acknowledging that he is a creature before his creator. It exalts the greatness of the Lord who made us and the almighty power of the Savior who set us free from evil. So in other words, Adoration means literally adoring God, right? Acknowledging our own nothingness and his greatness and thanking him for everything he has given us. Now, adoration is something that we can do verbally, right? We can say to God, I adore you, but it can also just be a movement of the heart. So sometimes it's really good to just sit in front of the tabernacle and look at our Lord and just silently adore him in the Eucharist. That's literally why we have adoration in the Catholic Church, right? Times when the Eucharist is exposed on the altar and we're all invited to just remain there and look at him and adore him. It kind of reminds me of, you know, when you watch like a period film, like a Jane Austen film or something, there's always that moment where like the guy is just sitting there like gazing at his love interest while she like plays the piano or something. And he's just sitting there being like, wow, you are amazing. I love you. (laughs) And that's what we get to do with our Lord, right? And what he does to us, except like times infinity. And then we have petition. So petition is basically what it says on the box, right? Petition means asking God for the things that we need. Now, it's important here to clarify that phrase, the things that we need. The Catechism says in point 2632 that there is a hierarchy in our petitions. We pray first for the kingdom, then for what is necessary to welcome it and cooperate with its coming. Now, this is really important to remember that our greatest good is heaven and union with God. And everything else is basically subordinated to that end goal. Things, this is something that we can like emblazon in our minds. Things are only good insofar as they help us get to heaven. So that job that we really want, our physical health, a relationship, all of these things are only going to be good for us if they help us get closer to God. Now, obviously, we are not God, right? We are not omniscient. So we don't know often in the greater scheme of things what is ultimately going to be best for us and for our salvation, right? Maybe we really want that job and we think it's going to be amazing and then we miss out on it, but then another door opens that actually leads to something way better for us. Okay, so we don't know. 
What this means is that we should always freely, trustingly ask God for the things that we want and that we need, provided that they're not intrinsically immoral, obviously. But whenever we pray for those things, we should also say to God, let not my will be done, but yours. And ultimately, our prayer should be, God, get me to heaven. Okay, do whatever it takes to make me a saint. Now, point 2630 of the Catechism says, In the risen Christ, the church's petition is buoyed by hope. That is such an important word, hope. And it's not, we're not talking about hope as in like, oh, I hope everything works out well. No, we're talking about the theological virtue of hope that is rooted in total trust in God. Trust that, as we said in our last episode, God is a father and he will always do what is best for us. Now, if this is something that we're struggling with, trusting and hoping in God, we can remember that hope is an infused virtue. And what that means is that it's not like a human virtue, like a good habit that we can just grow in if we work at it. Some virtues are like that. Hope is not. Hope is a virtue that only God can give us. Okay, we cannot create hope in ourselves. So if we want to grow in hope, we need to ask God for it. Okay, and next we have intercession, which means praying on behalf of others. Point 2635 says, in intercession, he who prays looks not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, even to the point of praying for those who do him harm. So this is one of our obligations as Christians to have a big heart, a huge heart that encompasses everyone around us, even people that we don't naturally like or who have hurt us. And this is where one of the other theological virtues come in, which is love, charity. If we truly love our neighbor, it will not be an effort to pray for them, right? It will be something that actually comes naturally. I don't know if you ever do this where like a friend asks you to pray for them and you're like, oh my gosh, yes, I will totally be praying for you. Hashtag praying. And then that is literally the last time you think about it. Okay. Sometimes we can catch ourselves doing things like this, neglecting to pray for our friends. And we might stop and think, oh my gosh, I suck at this. I really need to remember to pray for my friends more. And then we try to force ourselves to remember to pray for our friends, right? Or maybe we're acting out of obligation. Like we know that we should pray for our enemies. And so we're like sitting in mass being like, oh, I guess I pray for my ex. (laughs) Okay. When we do this, we're kind of going about it the wrong way because praying for others, it's not just about remembering to pray for them. It's not just about obligation. We have to pray for them. It's first and foremost about love. Okay. Praying for others should be an overflow of the love in our hearts. So the first thing that we need to do is to ask God to increase our love, to give us bigger hearts. And once we do that, we'll find that we naturally want to pray for others. We will naturally remember their concerns. We will genuinely want the best for people who have hurt us. And then we have thanksgiving. Now, thanksgiving obviously means giving thanks to God for everything that he has done for us. 
Now, I feel like this is the form of prayer that we most easily forget. Like it's so easy to remember to ask for the things that we need and so difficult to remember to actually say thank you when we receive them, like the 10 lepers in the gospel. But we should, right? We should always thank God. And we shouldn't just thank him when he answers our prayers. I mean, he always answers our prayers. It's just that sometimes he says no. (laughs) But we should be thanking him all the time for everything. So point 2638 of the catechism says every event and need can become an offering of thanksgiving. This is kind of an echo of St. Paul in 1 Thessalonians. He says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now let's just stop and think about that. That's actually kind of huge. We're being told that we should give thanks to God in every circumstance. And that can seem a little bit counterintuitive. Like, what if I experience a great tragedy? Should I be thanking God for that? Like, it's one thing to accept God's will in a tragic circumstance, to be kind of resigned to it. But actually thanking him? I mean, that can seem a little bit over the top. And this is where that third theological virtue of faith comes in. Giving thanks to God for absolutely everything requires a deep, firm belief that God only allows those things that he can draw good from. So if we're ever struggling to be thankful for the circumstances of our lives, maybe the first step is to ask God for more faith. By the way, when we thank God for things, we don't necessarily have to be like clicking our heels and being like, yay, I got fired. Thanks, God. (laughs) No, of course not. Okay, we don't always have to feel good about everything that happens. But even when we're suffering and we feel really sad, we can still make that act of faith and say, thank you, God, because I know that you wouldn't allow this if no good could come of it. And then finally, we have praise. So point 2639 says, praise lords God for his own sake and gives him glory quite beyond what he does, but simply because he is. Now, this is such an important form of prayer. It basically means saying to God, I love you, not because you give me stuff or because you look after me or you protect me. I love you not because of anything you have done for me, but purely because you are, because you are God and you are perfection and beauty and love itself. I don't know if you've ever had that experience where someone has said something like that to you. They've been like, I love you just because you exist, not because of anything you've done. But if you have experienced that, then you'll know that it is the most happy making experience because it is such a pure and selfless expression of love to say to someone, I just love you because you exist. And that's how we have to aim to love God with no conditions, just because he is. Okay, so those are all the different forms of prayer. Now, you might have been listening to all of that and being like, okay, well, like, yeah, I mean, like, it's fine. Like, it all makes sense. That's all. That's all good. But does it really matter? Like, do we really have to define and distinguish between the different forms of prayer? Isn't that a bit pedantic? Like, can't we just pray? (laughs) And of course, we shouldn't get too clinical and kind of box ticky about prayer. However... It is really important that we know and think about all of the different forms of prayer. Why? Because 
it is so easy to forget about and neglect about half of them, right? It is so easy for us to get stuck in just prayers of petition, right? Just asking God for things, or maybe to fall into the habit of just monologuing at him about ourselves and our problems, etc., and to forget these other forms of prayer. You can imagine what it would be like if you had a relationship like that with like your parents, for instance, like if you basically only ever asked them for stuff like Jean Ralphio and Mona Lisa in Parks and Recreation, money, please. Okay. Or if you had a friend who only ever ranted at you about her own problems and she never actually thanked you for listening to her. And we can stop and consider Okay, when was the last time that I praised God? When was the last time that I thanked him or that I just sat and adored him in the Eucharist? Am I in the habit of just treating God like an ATM? So this can be something that we can all examine ourselves on, right? To look at each of these forms of prayer and think about, okay, how can I grow in each of these? Now, It's all very well and good to know all of this theory about the different forms of prayer, right? However, let's get practical for a second. How do we actually begin to pray? So let's say that I want to put all of this into practice, but I'm not really sure where to begin. Like when I pray, should I use set prayers like the Our Father to pray with? Or should I just come up with my own prayers? Should I pray at a specific time or should I be a bit more spontaneous? Like, should I wait until I feel the movement of the Holy Spirit in my soul before I pray? Broadly speaking, the answer to all these questions is it's a bit of both. Okay, but let's break each of these down a little bit further. So that first question, should we be spontaneous or should we be more structured in our prayer? Should we pray when we feel like it or at specific times? Point 2650 says that prayer cannot be reduced to the spontaneous outpouring of interior impulse. In order to pray, one must have the will to pray. So spontaneity is fine, right? Praying when you feel like praying, that's fine. Like if you feel like you want to tell God that you love him, go ahead. That's awesome. However, the catechism reminds us that prayer can't be reduced to spontaneity. It can't just be spontaneity. Our will also has to be involved. There has to be some kind of structure. So think of it like a couple who are dating, right? Those little spontaneous, unplanned gestures of love throughout the day are great, right? That little text message or the phone call, that's awesome. However, there is also a need for structure. We can't just solely rely on emotions. So the couple might schedule date nights. And then when the date night comes along and one of them is feeling kind of tired and they're not really vibing it, they can still make the effort. And the reason for this isn't that they're being clinical and cold about their relationship. We must go out at this time. No, it's because they don't want their relationship to become dictated by their whims and emotions. And the same goes for our relationship with God, right? Of course, we should embrace spontaneity, but we also need to set aside specific times in the day to pray. So if this is something you want to think about more, I'm going to include a link in the show notes to an article on something called a plan of life. And that's basically just a way of structuring our daily prayer life. And we'll talk about this a bit more in our next episode. And then that next question, should I use my own words for prayer or should I use set prayers? Okay, again, it's a bit of both. The Catechism says in point 2650 that through a living transmission, sacred tradition within the church, 
the Holy Spirit teaches the children of God how to pray. So we learn to pray through the prayers and the methods of prayer that have been passed down to us through the sacred tradition of the church and that have their source and root in the gospels. So we have set prayers, right? We have the Our Father, we have the Hail Mary, we have the Rosary, we have the Mass, right? All of these are incredibly important, in part because they teach us how to pray. The Mass is the most perfect form of prayer. And the Holy Spirit, through these set prayers, teaches us how to pray. However, at other times, We also need to use our own spontaneous words to pray. Okay, we need a balance of both. And this makes sense if we think about it. Like if I were to rely entirely on set prayers like the Our Father, I might start to forget that my relationship with God is a personal relationship. On the other hand, if I just relied entirely on my own thoughts and imagination for my prayer, I mean, I don't know about you, but I would probably just end up sitting there ranting to God for hours about how Hamilton the musical is literally a dramaturgically perfect work of art. (laughs) Okay, we would not get very far on our own. And again, this is where a plan of life can be useful because it allows for times of personal mental prayer where we're using our own words and then also times where we say set prayers like the rosary. Now, the catechism goes on to name three wellsprings of prayer. In other words, those key sources of grace and assistance in our prayer. And these are the Bible, the Mass, and the theological virtues. So firstly, the Bible. The catechism reminds us that we should frequently read the Bible, not just every now and then, often and consistently. This is something that Catholics tend to suck at and we could learn a lot from our Protestant brothers and sisters in this. Okay, Even just a few minutes every day spending time reading the Word of God. And the Catechism reminds us that it's not enough to just read the Bible. Okay, We also have to read it prayerfully. We have to use it as fuel for our prayer. There's this great quote from a 12th century monk whose name I cannot pronounce, but I will put it in the show notes. (laughs) He says, seek in reading and you will find in meditating. So we read the Gospels prayerfully. The second wellspring of prayer is the liturgy of the church and in particular the mass. The Catechism in point 2643 points out that the Eucharist contains and expresses all forms of prayer. So we have contrition, adoration, thanksgiving, petition, praise. That's why we refer to it as the greatest form of prayer. So attending the Mass is one of the most perfect ways of praying. And we can also use the prayers of the Mass as fuel for our own private prayer. And then the third wellspring of prayer is the theological virtues, faith, hope, and love. And we saw this, right, when we were looking at the different forms of prayer. These virtues are foundational. They are indispensable. In particular, love, charity is so important. Point 2658 says, love is the source of prayer. So if we want to pray well, then every day we need to ask God to increase our faith, hope and love. Now, when we pray to God, The whole Trinity is involved, right? All three persons of the Trinity. We pray to God the Father 
in the name of Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Catechism places particular emphasis on the role of Jesus in our prayer because Jesus is not just a model of prayer. He's not someone that we can just look to and imitate. He is also the way of prayer itself. If we want to pray as Christians, Jesus is the way. What does that mean? What that means is it's not just a matter of mastering a method or a technique. We can only truly pray to God the Father if we go with and through Jesus himself. He's the way to the Father because he is the only person who is both God and man. He is the one mediator who brings us to the Father. He's the bridge between earth and heaven. So we can think of that image that we've used before of Harry Potter holding on to Dumbledore so that the two of them can disapparate together. By himself, Harry can't do anything, but once he's holding on to Dumbledore, he can disapparate. And it's the same with us. If we tried to access God without Jesus, we would be lost. We need to hold fast to him if we want to pray. Now, how do we do that? Well, we can do it by calling on the name of Jesus either explicitly by saying his name or silently through the movement of our hearts, reaching out and holding on to him. When we even say the name Jesus in our prayer, we invoke him. We invite him into our hearts. And once we have welcomed the son of God into our hearts, he will bring us to the father. Now, Calling on the name of Jesus is something that we can do, not just in our scheduled moments of prayer, but all the time. Throughout the day, our hearts should always be reaching out to Jesus, seeking to be more united to him. Even if we're not, you know, consciously thinking about Jesus, maybe we're at work, you know, thinking about other things. But underneath that, our heart should always be seeking our Lord, holding fast to him. There's a prayer called the Jesus Prayer, and I'll include a link to some more info on it in the show notes. But basically, in the Jesus Prayer, we repeat the words, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the idea is that you get into the habit of repeating those words throughout the day until it becomes almost subconscious. It's like breathing, right? It's a way of training your heart to constantly remain united to our Lord. Now, the Catechism also talks about the role of the Holy Spirit in prayer. Point 2670 says, Every time we begin to pray to Jesus, it is the Holy Spirit who draws us on the way of prayer. That is why the Church invites us to call upon the Holy Spirit every day, especially at the beginning and the end of every important action. So the Catechism suggests saying the traditional prayer Come Holy Spirit throughout the day as an aspiration. Side note, that aspiration, come Holy Spirit, can be extremely useful when you're in a conversation with someone and like you don't know what to say, or if you have to make a spontaneous choice or a decision and you're feeling stuck, just saying those words, come Holy Spirit, honestly makes such a difference. So this is what happens whenever we pray. We take the hand of our Lord. The Holy Spirit, in the words of the Catechism, permeates our whole being and draws us on. And then together we move towards the Father. And I love that image because it reminds us not only how incredibly helpless we are on our own and how much we need our Lord, 
but also how completely and entirely God surrounds and supports us and draws us upward in prayer. Now, before we wrap up, one final point. We've just said that Jesus is the way of prayer, and the better we know him, the closer we are to him, the better our prayer will be. Of all the people who have ever lived, who knew Jesus in his humanity better than Mary, his mother? Mary bore Jesus in her womb. She raised him. She was with him every day from that moment he was born throughout his childhood and his adulthood. She literally stood at the foot of the cross as he died when just about everyone else had abandoned him. She was closer to him than anyone. And not only did Mary know Jesus better than anyone, she also spent her life pondering his words in her heart, repeating that amen, that be it done throughout her life in her actions, even to the point of accepting his death on the cross. Mary was utterly conformed to him. So if we go to Mary, we can guarantee that she will always bring us to her son. The Catechism in point 2674 says, Jesus, the only mediator, is the way of our prayer. Mary is wholly transparent to him. She shows the way. I really love that image of Our Lady being transparent to Jesus. Because sometimes when we talk about praying to Mary... People can get confused and think that we're almost like getting distracted from God by talking about Our Lady. It's like if Jesus were standing there and then Mary stood between us. So now we can't see Jesus anymore. We're just looking at Mary. But if we think of Mary standing there utterly transparent, we can imagine looking straight through her to Jesus, but seeing Jesus through that transparent face of a mother Okay, when we look at Mary, we see Jesus. She takes us directly and immediately to our Lord, but she does so as a mother. And that's so important. Like I've known people who, for whatever reason, have found it really hard to connect with Jesus or with the idea of, you know, God the Father, maybe because they've had bad experiences with their own fathers or men in their lives. And for them, the most direct path that they have found to discovering Christ has been through that feminine motherly face of Mary, like a mother taking the hand of a child and leading them to God and being like, it's okay, this is safe. So whenever we pray to Mary, she always leads us straight to God. So we can go to Our Lady and ask her to teach us how to be as close to her son as she was to him. Okay, well, that's all we have time for today. Next week, we are going to wrap up this three-part kind of introduction to prayer before we get to talking about the Our Father. I can't wait. Woohoo! Have a fantastic fortnight, and I will talk to you soon. Bye.